This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. We hear about peace all the time, right? I mean, we at least hear about it. Not that we always experience it all the time, but we hear about it all the time. And peace is, is common in most languages. You hear it on the news, and it's not just something that's, that's strictly an American thing or a Christian thing or a Bible thing, right? Peace is this universal concept that's used all the time. We hear about peace treaties that are signed between different countries and all these different things or times of peace, but oftentimes peace is, is used to sort of describe the absence of conflict, right? When we're talking about it in those terms, it's typically used as the absence of conflict. That's what peace is. Oh, there's no fighting today? Cool, then we must be in peace, Right? But the biblical definition, the biblical sort of framework that, that the scriptures use to define this idea of peace, it can refer to the, to the absence of conflict, but also it points to the presence of something better. It's not only the absence of conflict, but it also points to something better in its place. And so what I want to do this morning as we launch this Advent series and as we focus on this sort of theme of peace is I want to look through scripture, kind of do a little bit of a word study with you on this concept of peace and what it looks like, what the biblical definition of this is and see how we can sort of relate that to our lives and relate it through the story that we're going to hear today and sort of hopefully leave this place with a better understanding, a better grasp of what peace can look like for you and what peace can look like for me and for all of us as Christ followers. And so let's pray together, and, uh, and then we'll jump right in. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for that awesome time that we get to spend just responding to who you are through songs and, and singing and praise and adoration and giving and community and all those things, God. I pray this morning as we, as we look at your word and look at uh, sort of your framework for this idea of peace I pray that it would sort of rock our world. I pray that we would be able to wrap our heads around this and not only, it to not only be a head thing, but to become a heart thing for us. And that we begin to experience this and live in this peace. God, we thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Okay, so how many of you guys are aware that the Bible is not one book? Are we aware of this? Yes. That it's a collection of 66 books, and some of them are, are segmented into the Old Testament, and some of them are sectioned into the New Testament. Are we pretty much, if you're not aware of that, that's the case, okay? It's a collection of writings, and like I've, we, said, we say this all the time, the writings are all meant for different reasons, different purposes, all this stuff. So the Old Testament, which if you have like a leather-bound Bible from Zondervan that costs you way too much money, right? If you have one of those, the first half of that book is typically the Old Testament, okay? And the Old Testament is from Genesis to Malachi. So it's all these different, like, Hebrew names that you're like, people named each other that back then? Yeah, they did. It was Middle Eastern Hebrew. It, it, it's the thing. And so the, the Old Testament, that was simply just a covenant between God and a people group, right? And, and, and it dovetails into the New Testament, which is a covenant between God and us as, as Gentiles, unless you're a, a Hebrew by nature. But I don't know that... Um, I don't know that anyone here is that, that we've talked about. So uh, the New Testament is sort of this covenant between uh, God and the Gentiles, which is us, right? So as we're looking at the Old Testament, it was primarily written in Hebrew, 
The original language that it was written in is Hebrew. The New Testament was written mostly in Greek and Aramaic, Koine Greek, which is a dead language. They don't use it anymore. But that's what these two, like, text groups were written in. And so when we can look at the words that they were initially written in, it makes the scriptures come so much more alive. It makes it, it, makes it make so much more sense and fills in so many of the gaps that we lose when we translate it to the English language. You know, there's things that we say here all the time in America. I, sh- I wasn't going to use this analogy. I should have thought of something ahead of time. But there's words that we use that if someone were to read them like 20 years from now, they'd be like, what? Huh? You know, you know what I'm saying? I don't have any off head. Does anyone have any off head that they can think of that would be a crazy word to hear in 20 years? No? Yes? No? Swag? Swag. Thank you. Swag? How many of you guys know what swag is? Yeah. Yeah, but people 20 years ago, if we used to, would have said swag, they'd be like, uh. Or in 20 years, they're going to be like, really? Like, seriously? You know what I was thinking of is the number sign, the pound sign on your phone. Yeah, but do you remember when it used to be like entering your code and then hit the pound sign? Our kids are never going to know what a pound sign is. I'm like, oh, the hashtag on your phone? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's things like that, okay? So, <laughs> terrible analogy. I should have thought of that beforehand. But that's kind of the idea, right? When you look at this, at, at the text in Hebrew, they were meaning certain things. There was, there was embellishments, there was nuances to this language. Same with the Koine Greek. When you look at this stuff, it really makes it come alive. And so when we're looking in the Old Testament at this concept of peace, this idea of peace, the Hebrew word that's used predominantly through the Old Testament is this word shalom. Everybody say shalom. Isn't that a cool word? Shal- say it again. Shalom. Yeah, yeah. yeah feels good coming out of my mouth. I don't know. Um, The word for peace is shalom. And shalom essentially means complete or whole. Completeness or to be made whole. Oftentimes in the scriptures, it's used to reference like a stone. A stone that has no cracks, that's solid, that's complete, that's good for building, good for use. Cornerstone for building, that would be shalom. It's complete, it's whole, it's great. Another term that it could be used is like a completed wall without any gaps or cracks or sections missing or anything like that. That would be shalom. It would be complete. It would be whole. It would be solid. It's, it's essentially this, this concept of shalom is referencing something that's complex and has many, many different parts, but it's in a state of wholeness and completeness. And it's used all throughout Scripture in a lot of different contexts. In a lot of these different writings, it's used all over the place. In Job, chapter 5, verse 24, Job says that his tent is in a state of shalom because all of his animals are accounted for. Does that make sense? So like all of his stuff is there, everything's in place, it's whole, it's complete, all is right with his household. And so he says that his, his tent, his household is in shalom. Or David, you guys know the story of David and Goliath, right? And before David fights Goliath, he has to go to the battlefield to check on his brothers. If you guys have heard the story, you know what I'm talking about, right? This dude David in the Old Testament goes and checks on his brothers while he's fighting the Philistine army. Well, when David goes to check on his brothers, he asks, how is their shalom? Are they shalom? It's it's referencing their well-being. Are you whole? Are you okay? Are you complete? How are you feeling? Is everything in the right place? Is everything right with you? Is everything made proper with you? It's this core idea of this idea of shalom. The the, the core idea of this is that life is complex, full of moving parts, full of all these different things that come together. And when any of these parts are out of alignment or any of these parts are missing or broken, then your shalom breaks down. Your shalom gets off kilter. Your peace is rattled. 
and life is no longer whole, it needs to be restored. That's sort of the, the core idea of this shalom. And so to bring shalom to your life when certain things are off kilter or out of balance or out of whack or missing or broken or whatever. So to bring shalom means to make it complete, to restore order, to, 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 to fulfill and reconcile all things in your life. Solomon in the Old Testament brings shalom to the temple when he completes it. When they talk about that in the Old Testament, he talks about he completes it. He brings shalom to the temple. All things are in their proper place and in the right spot and everything's put together the way it should be in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 25. In Exodus chapter 22, verse 4, it talks about how if, it, if your animal goes into the neighboring field, I know this is super relevant for all of you, right? If your, if your animal goes into the neighboring field and destroys all the crops and messes everything up, it says for you to shalom them, you must give them complete repayment. I mean, it's applicable to Josh. He works on a farm, but nobody else gets it. Josh, this is examples for you. Um, but it's, it's used in the scriptures. It's to make it whole, to make it right, to restore it. If it tears up your neighbor's, if your dog goes over and tears up your neighbor's flower garden, to bring shalom to that flower garden, you replace it. You fix it. You put it back together. You make it whole and complete again. But the same goes for human relationships in Scripture as well. It's not just things, and it's not just buildings and walls and tents and animals and all of that. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, it says to, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And all throughout the Old Testament, there's all these kings battling and all this stuff. And whenever it talks about peace, whenever the kingdoms found shalom, it's not that they just stopped fighting each other. It's that they began working together. It's not just that the wall was repaired, but it was repaired better and working better than it was before. And there's an operative positivity coming from this new situation, this new setup, this new restored wholeness and completeness. And this is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, but then they just failed time and time again with the sin cycle and all of that. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, Isaiah is this prophetic book, right? It's this guy who is a, prophecy, or a, a prophet who would prophesy of a coming king a coming savior. And this is where we get those verses that talk about how Jesus is coming and he's the coming king, and he's the prince of peace and all these different things, right? We hear these verses. Well, a lot of them come from this guy, Isaiah. And Isaiah talks about a coming king who will be the prince of shalom. When it calls him prince of peace, it's using the word shalom. He's the prince of shalom. And it says that there will be no end of shalom through this Messiah. And that he would make a covenant of shalom with his people. And it would right all the wrongs. And it would heal all that has been broken. Do you understand what the Bible means when it says shalom? What the Old Testament scriptures are referring to? When it uses the terminology that we just use as peace? This idea of shalom is so much bigger. So much wider. So much deeper than our language can, can sort of convey with just the simple word peace. When it says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, it's saying that he's coming bringing wholeness. He's coming and bringing completeness. Where he's coming and bringing healing where there's brokenness. Where things are, are scattered and splintered and chaotic, he's coming and bringing life and wholeness to that. He's the Prince of Peace, and there is no end to the peace that he's going to bring, and he wants to set up a covenant of peace with his people, all using the word shalom. Does that make sense? And so as you, you jump from the Old Testament and you kind of transition into the New Testament, 
which in your Bibles would be, you know, Matthew through Revelation, the second half of the book, where the, the names get a little more Greek than they were Hebrew, right? I mean, it makes sense. And so the, the, the names sort of shift, the, the, the content shifts, the, the uh, covenant shifts to be for more Gentiles than only, you know, selectively for the Jews. And so in the New Testament, the word that's used for peace is this Greek word that, that's pronounced erene. I suck at rolling my R's. So it's Irene, but you roll the R. I'm not, I don't got flavor like that. Anybody can roll their R's like super solid? Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. That was nice. That was, it's just like, hey, all right. I'm feel, feeling good about that. The Greek word is Irene, but you're supposed to roll the R, but I'm not going to because it feels weird. Shalom feels good. Irene doesn't feel good to me. Um, but this Irene word is, is sort of interchangeable with this word shalom. It, it, it carries the same weight. It carries the same broad strokes that shalom carries. And so when the New Testament announces Jesus' birth, when the Gospels talk about the birth of Christ and the coming of this Messiah, the coming of the Savior, it says that it's the arrival of Irene, or the arrival of shalom. When God shows up, when God shows up in flesh as Jesus, you know, this gift of peace, this peace is wholeness. This peace is restoration. This peace is reconciliation. This peace is completeness has arrived for us. That's why this is such a big deal. That's why Jesus coming to the earth this, this, and, and this focus of peace is so huge for humanity. And Jesus comes and he, and he offers his peace in 14, John 14, 27. He says, my peace I give to you all. My irene I give to you all. He's saying my completeness, my wholeness, my restoration, my reconciliation, my healing, I give to all of you. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, um, when, when he says that we have Irene with God through Jesus, it's this idea that Jesus restored and brought peace and reconciliation to the broken relationship between humanity and God. And so you're wondering, well, man, in Scripture, where does it say all the stuff that the church says and believes and all this doctrine, all these, you know, sideline things of like, where does it talk about, you know, the broken relationship? And that it's in these words that come to life when you learn them and you study them and you're like, whoa, that's what that means? Because we can read Romans 5, 1 a million times, but if we don't understand the concept of Irene and Shalom and what this peace looks like, it's just another verse. But when you open it up, you're like, man, that's, in, that's what that means. God's coming to bring restoration. Jesus came to bring wholeness and completeness to us. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, I mean, it's all throughout passages of Scripture, all throughout the different writings, all throughout the different covenants and all this stuff. It says that Jesus is our Irene, or Shalom. He is this for us. He is whole and complete. He's the whole, complete human that we were designed to be. But we fail, right? And we fall and we sin, and we fall short, and we've become broken and splintered. And Jesus comes, and he says, listen, I'm going to give you my life as a gift. That's the whole idea. He comes and brings this shalom. He comes and brings this restoration, this healing, this wholeness, this completeness. And that's why we have to, in, in order to be in a relationship with God, we need that wholeness from Jesus to make that happen. Does that make sense? And so this idea of peace, this concept of peace is because Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. He was prophesied to be full of peace. He shows up and says, I want to give you peace. My peace I give to you. And so he came the first time in the nativity 
God put on flesh and came the first time to bring peace, to heal all that had been broken, to bring restoration, to right the wrongs, to make it to where we could have relationship with God, that we could experience the wholeness in relationship with God. And that's the arrival of peace, of shalom, that looks like in the nativity. That's what came from the nativity. And that's what we're waiting for again. See, this whole Advent series talking about peace and hope and joy and love, yeah, it's about the nativity, which is in the past, but it's also about the second coming of all of these things, which is in the future. And so we live our lives suspended in between the two shaloms. Does that make sense? In the tension between the two shaloms. Christ has come in the nativity, and he's established peace and wholeness and restoration and reconciliation that we can experience with Jesus because Jesus came. And he lived a life, and then he died, and then he rose again for us and gives that as a gift to us. But then we're also anticipating a second coming of shalom where all things again will be righted. All the wrong will be righted. Is righted a word? I don't Made right? All the things that are wrong will be made right. All the things that are broken will be put back together. All the things that are splintered and bruised and battered and wrong will be reconciled and made whole and complete. And so we live in this tension where we work out the peace in our own lives, in our own stories, in our own context. And we have to work it out continually. And so, like I said earlier, in this series, what I've tried to do is gather some of our friends from here in our faith community to sort of share their story of how peace or hope or joy or love has shined through, through Jesus, in the tension between the two shaloms, where we find ourselves now. And so check out this lead-in video, and then uh, we're gonna have my friend come up here and, and share with us, so check this out. Hi, my name is Corinne, and this is my story of peace. I've been a Christ follower for about eight years. I've believed in Christ my whole life, but uh, my relationship with him started about eight years ago. This past year has been crazy, and I've had some crazy times in my past, and the main thing that's gotten me through that and given me peace was my relationship with Christ. It hasn't always been easy, but when I see Jesus, I see peace. Do you see what I see? And so when I put this out there and I was like, okay guys, send me some stories. Send me what you got going on um, in your life and how these Advent themes sort of apply to you. Corinne graciously shared her story um, with me and then I was like, whoa, dude, will you share this with everybody? And she was like, yeah, sure, of course. And I was really nervous that she was gonna be like, no, but she's, she's a rock star, she's awesome. And so Corinne's story, listen, Corinne's story is sort of two parts. And I thought it was so interesting. I didn't ask for two parts, but two parts came through and I was like, oh man, that is perfect because I feel like two areas that we as humanity, in the tension between the two shaloms, I feel like there's two areas where we really, really struggle with peace. I think the first one is relationships and I think the second one is finances, if we're being honest. These two things are applicable to almost everybody. And so when Corinne shared her story of peace with me, I was like, you hit both of the monsters right in the face. This is perfect, right? You're not as excited as I am? I was excited. I'm pumped, okay? I'm glad you're up here. This is, this is awesome. Um, and so we're going to start with the relationship stuff first. Um, so tell me about your past relationships and your decisions and whatever that took you to this place of being fractured and broken and in turmoil and all of that. So Okay. 
so I had too much coffee this morning. So <laughs> hopefully this comes out no, as you'll get it. You'll get it. gibberish. Um, okay, so it started um, going into high school. That's kind of a vulnerable, difficult time for it anybody. It is. It is. Um, I had always been really shy and quiet and unsure of myself, and I decided I wanted to be cool. I wanted to try to fit in, and so I started dating this older guy who was super popular on the football team and everything. Yeah. Was feeling so great about myself. I'm so cool. Yeah. And. Um, then everything just kind of started to fall apart. Um, he didn't treat me well. He was, you know, I can't even count how many times he cheated on me. And yeah. for some reason, I still stuck with him because I was so worried about being cool. You know, I wanted yeah. to be connected to that in crowd. Yeah. So that happened, and um, it was just multiple relationships like that in high school that really kind of broke me down and made me feel like, okay, I'm not good enough, I'm not yeah. cool, I'm not funny, like, all these other girls that my boyfriends are talking to, they're way prettier than me, yeah, yeah, yeah. what do I, what am I missing, like, yeah. why am I not good enough, mm -hmm. so, um, I just started feeling even worse about myself, you know, my goal had been to feel good about myself, yeah. and instead I was feeling awful about myself, um, so, after that, you know, I started dealing with a lot of anxiety and depression, um, I had an eating disorder for like seven years, um, yeah. you know, trying to fit into this perfect mold, yeah. which what is perfect anyway? Right, right, right. So um, I dealt with all that. And then um, after I graduated high school, I was dating this guy who was really a bad influence um, at the time. Interestingly enough, we're friends now. Yeah. Um, so, so if you're listening <laughs> to this on the podcast, uh, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> You were a jerk then, but you're okay now, so it's, yeah. yeah. There's grace. There's, there's forgiveness, <laughs> exactly. yes. Shalom to you. Shalom to you, ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he was just a really bad influence on me. I found myself doing things that I knew were wrong just to try to be um, what I thought I needed to do to be cool. So mm -hmm. I found myself partying all the time and hanging out with totally the wrong group of people, mm -hmm. and, again, feeling really bad about myself. Um, he did not treat me well. So then when I moved away to to college, I'm from four hours up north, so I moved down here to go to college, mm -hmm. knew absolutely nobody, yeah. um, and I had this awful relationship that I was trying to hold together, and um, so I just felt really alone, um, and I felt like I had nobody to turn to. Yeah. Um, I think once I was off on my own after I left home, um, you know, it's kind of up to you to figure out what your relationship with God is totally, and are you going to yeah. go to church? Like, you get to make that choice. And yeah. I chose not to go to church. And yeah. I didn't have a relationship with God. So um, I would try to find friends, but then I would um, doubt myself so much that I would just end up pushing them away. Yeah. So I had really no friends that I could lean on. Yeah. Um, I pushed my family away because I was just angry and I felt like nobody could help me. Um, so I just, like tried to isolate myself. And, and this was over the course of years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This From was like high freshman school, year college, of high school yeah. through freshman year of college. That you're experiencing just all this turmoil and then you find yourself in a dark place freshman year of yeah, college. Yeah. So what sort of brought you full circle into having a different perspective? Yeah, so um, I had been having awful anxiety, super depressed, and um, I refused to go to counseling um, because I felt like nobody could help me. Yeah. I tried medication, and I felt worse doing that. 
So after I decided to stop taking medication, I was like, well, where do I go now? What am I supposed to do? Um, how am I ever going to get through this? And yeah. it just so happened that my roommate was the daughter of a pastor, and she's like, hey, you need to come to church with me. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll yeah. go to church with you. So I went, and I felt super awkward and uncomfortable and vulnerable, I think, because of everything I was going through. I'm like, yeah. it feels so weird to be here. Like, yeah. I feel like I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I had never been one to get emotional at church, but mm -hmm. something in a song that day just hit me, and I started sobbing. And I just remember feeling this overwhelming sense of peace, yeah. just like, God, I knew that God forgave me for everything that I had done. Mm -hmm. He accepted me totally for who I was, and I needed to start doing the same. I needed to forgive myself and yeah. start accepting myself yeah. totally for who I am. That's incredible. And so you came to church, and so how did things turn around once you experienced that peace? What, how did the trajectory, like, shift? What did you start experiencing yeah, as so a result? Yeah, so I think it changed my whole perspective. I think I just started, it's not that God wasn't there before, and I didn't, I didn't have access to that peace before. It's that I wasn't shifting my perspective to notice it. Mm -hmm. So once I started trying to let God into my life more and let him guide me, um, I found friends. I joined an awesome organization at school. I met Kalik. Mm -hmm. um, Kalik and I went to church together. Which Kalik is, is not here today um, because, you know, his wife is speaking in church, which is a huge deal, and it's a big thing. He had to go that. see his rams. But he was, he's seeing the, lands and the rams and the lions today, so he gets a pass. <laughs> okay? He gets a pass for that. Um, but give him a hard time next time you see him, okay? <laughs> Kalik, if you're listening to the podcast, you're a jerk and awesome all at the same time. <laughs> Okay, sorry. So you met Kalik. Yeah. And things are going well. Things just totally turned around. Yeah, so it's not like um, I went to church this one Sunday and boom, like I'm just at peace, like everything is great all the time. Um, yeah. I feel like I constantly had to work at it. Um, I downloaded this Bible verse of the day app on my phone. Yeah. And I remember one day I was just having such an awful day and in the midst of me just wallowing in this awful feeling, the verse comes through, and it was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Mm -hmm. And I can, I'm awful at memorizing verses, but it's like, don't be anxious for anything and yeah. just give everything to God. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's what I need to do. Just Absolutely. give everything to God. So yeah. ever since then, it's been this journey of like just keeping that mindset yeah. of, of peace and knowing that God is there. Yeah. He's got me no matter what I encounter. Um, and I, I just feel like I can apply it to every single situation in my life. Right. Um, like a couple months ago when Cameron was in the hospital, after she came home, I had an awful time dealing with that. Yeah. But every single night I was like, okay, God, give me peace. Like, yeah. help me to put my trust in you to yeah. know that you've got this. Yeah. That's incredible. And so you meet Kalik, you guys get married, you have a beautiful daughter named Cameron, and then, um, as many people find, know this, especially if you get married and have kids and all that stuff, money is a thing that you really have to pay attention to, yeah. you know? And so tell us a little bit about your recent financial journey and sort of how that has, you found peace in all of that. I know Dave Ramsey has something to do with it. Yes. We love Dave Ramsey around here, and if you have not... Let me just give a little plug here. Um, we are doing a, we're doing Financial Peace in January, right? We're doing Financial Peace University here in January. It's one of our community groups, so get online on our website. Sign up for that. We do it every January. It will radically and drastically change your life. Okay, go. 
Okay, so we haven't actually <laughs> gone through FPU, yeah, but we really yeah. want to. Um, but I discovered Dave Ramsey in March, and um, you know, after Camera was born, I was like, we gotta really get it together. Yeah, I gotta figure um, this thing like, out. <laughs> yeah, so I read um, Total Money Makeover, and then in April we started budgeting. We laid everything out and saw that we had $126,000 worth of debt with cars and Which some people don't bat, bat an eye. Others of you are like, holy crap, right? It's terrifying. No, I know. That's a huge number. It's a big number. number. Yeah. So some we of you are like, like, I spend that in a weekend. <laughs> so we were like, okay, we got to get this figured out. Um, but we were terrified. We were like, how on earth are we going to do this? Like, there's yeah. no way this is right. possible. Um, so I think what has really helped us is being patient and trusting God, knowing that, um, you know, if, like you always say, if we're good stewards of his money, you know, he's going to take care of us. Right. So um, when you have that much that you're trying to pay off, it's not going to happen no. very quickly. We no. know it's going to be a few years. So it's very much about being patient. Um, and it's really difficult in this society when there's so much being thrown at you like buy this buy yeah. that and you need this to be cool and, and look what they're doing and look what they're going and all that exactly. you're like I want to do that I want to go there exactly so for us it's very much keeping our focus on like okay why are we doing this and um what are we gonna what are we gonna gain from this once we get through it and um I think one of the main things that we've realized is shifting our perspective from not what what we can't do and what we can't give, but instead to we have this, we can do this. What you do have and what yeah. you can do. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah, what yeah. we can give. Um, we didn't use to tie that all because we didn't figure. Didn't, awesome, cool. We, <laughs> we didn't think Sweet. that we had the money for it. So then once we sat down and did our budget, we were like, okay, we yeah. like are going to do this. Um, a couple of our friends had shared a story that um, – they went through a really rough financial time. They had pennies in their bank account, mm -hmm. and they continued to tithe as much as they could throughout that and just trust God. Yeah. And somehow God brought them out of that season, and now they have more than yeah, yeah, what yeah. they ever imagined. So I'm yeah. like, okay, we just need to put our trust in God and do this. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that when we started to give more and to be more generous, mm -hmm. things just started happening, and it just... I know, it's crazy. Yeah. You tell people, and they're like, yeah, okay, that doesn't but mathematically really. make sense. But really, like, for but real. really. Like, I know. We went without an oven for six months, and I was like, when are we ever going to be able to bake cookies again? And then... <laughs> Gosh, six months with no cookies? <laughs> yeah. and then That's my, a lack of peace right exactly. there. Exactly. I should have had you share that story. Yeah. <laughs> that would have really spoke to our hearts. <laughs> and then we were gifted an oven. Yeah. So it's just like... Um, being patient and knowing that God is going to get you through yeah. it. Um, yeah. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. It changes everything. So, so you would say that you've experienced, we, you shared that you'd, you've experienced restoration and like this shalom, this peace in your relationships. And mm -hmm. you would say you've experienced that as well in your finances, even though it's like a little tighter, a little Absolutely. more Absolutely. organized and whatever. I think we feel so much more grateful now for what we have. Like we mm -hmm. don't have money to go on dates anymore, yeah. but... I'm so thankful for the time that I can spend at home with my family because yeah. that is the biggest blessing yeah, yeah, that yeah. God has given me. And we have a tiny house that, you know, yeah. we need to fix up a lot. But I'm like, hey, we have a house. This yeah, is awesome. Like, yeah. like, we don't have a lot of money, but look what we can do with the money that we do have. Yeah. I mean, we're very, very blessed. We have more than so many other people. Yeah. Um, 
And I think just keeping that heart of giving and um, Dave Ramsey always says, live like no one else that you can live and give like no one else. And that's the thing that is really motivating me is like, hey, I want to be able to give so much more to people. And I feel like that's part of the reason why God has us on this journey so that we can help other people more. That's super cool. So so in the lead in of this, you said, when I see Jesus, I see peace. Do you see what I see? So explain just briefly, like when you see Jesus, you see peace. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So um, I think he just, um, for me, when I'm like feeling really anxious, I visualize God and I talk to him like he's my friend. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not eloquent when I pray or anything. Oh, holy reverend God. Yeah. Not at all. I'm like, dude, <laughs> yeah. I'm having a bad day. <laughs> I'm riding the struggle bus <laughs> down here, man. Can you help me out? Yeah. So <laughs> I just, I, you know, I think of him as a friend and I feel like so relaxed when I'm talking to him and mm-hmm. like just picturing what he looks like. Yeah. I mean, it just makes me feel and how he feels calm. for you and cares for you. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when I'm like doubting myself, I think like, okay, what, is, what would God think about this situation? Like these awful negative thoughts that I'm having, what would God say to that? Because right. he probably doesn't agree with me. So, yeah. okay, let me try to think a little bit more yeah. like God because yeah. he's like, hey, chill out. It's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, let me re-up. Okay. I like that. I love that. Will you guys join me in uh, thanking Corinne for sharing with us this morning? Thank you so much um, for sharing your story and all of that. That's, that's super cool. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, cool. I'll hold that. Um, so sometimes, as you can hear from this story, you know, we talk about shalom, we talk about restored, we talk about, um, peace and reconciliation and all that stuff, but I think a lot of times what we don't realize is that when we encounter Jesus, it's not necessarily like, boom, everything's better, you know? We encounter Jesus, boom, rainbows, unicorns, and sunshine all the time, right? That's not necessarily the case, You know, to experience peace, to experience this type of shalom, this type of wholeness, this type of restoration, sometimes it takes a lot of work and a lot of intentionality on our part. It always takes us shifting our perspective to align with the perspective of Christ. Always. Always. The way that we experience this shalom, the way that we experience this irene, the way that we experience this wholeness, this restoration, this peace, you can look for it in all kinds of places. And you can find imitations in a lot of places. But the reality is, if you want to experience this in a real, real, life-changing, tangible way, it's through a relationship with Jesus. When he comes in the nativity, he's showing up with shalom. And again, we're waiting for the return of Shalom. But in the middle, he offers us relationship. He offers us relationship with him. And and, and, and this peace that I'm talking about is not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness. Taking what's fractured and splintered and putting it back together. Whether it's our lives, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our finances, whether it's the world around us, whatever the case may be, that happens through Jesus who brought and brings and is going to continue to bring shalom, who desires shalom for you and for me daily in our lives. He calls us to that and desires that for us. 
And so for you this morning, the band's going to lead us in another song because I want to give you guys a chance and an opportunity to respond. I want to give you a chance and opportunity to have a conversation with God, to do some business with God before you leave this room and watch us get destroyed by the rams. I want you guys to have an opportunity to do some work with God this morning. What do you need to give to Jesus in exchange for shalom? Is it your life? Do you need to surrender control of your life and call on the shots? Do you need to yield to him and say, you know what? I've been doing it my way for a long time. I'm, I'm done with all that. I want to try it your way. I want to try going the way that you're calling me to go. Is that what you need to surrender in exchange for shalom? What is it that you need to give up in exchange for the peace that God wants to give you? What area do you need to seek God? Ask God. Pray for shalom. Some of you, some things are coming to mind right now. Oh, man, yes, I need to get on the page with him with this or that or the other in my family, in my relationships, in my finances, at work, in the world around me, whatever the case may be. I want to give you the opportunity to do business with God right now because God desires for you to experience wholeness. God desires for you to go through this life put together, restored, experiencing this peace, this shalom, this irene, this peace. He wants that for us. So let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.